0: And salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on the Planet Earth, the John Campia Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world. Movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff. I'm joined by a great crew today, Like, of course, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Beside him... Chris Carr is back, ladies and gentlemen. Good to have you back, Chris. Sitting over there joining you guys in the live chat is Ray Ora. Beside him, of course, is producer Jonathan Voiko running the show. And Alu Moana is here with us here today as well. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for making this show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We break it into two parts. First half of the show, we talk about some predetermined topics. And in the second half of the show, we take your live comments and questions. If you got a live comment or question you'd like us to address on the show, Number one, you got to be watching live. But number two, wait until we get to the end of the main topics, and then we'll announce that we're opening up the super chats. And when we do, that will be your time to fire in a thought, theory, question, or opinion. And we'll address those in the second half of the show. But be ready with them because we only leave the super chats open for just a couple of minutes. All right, guys. A couple of quick announcements here uh, to let you guys know about. First of all, a little bit later today at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time, ah, it's over. We have our Andor after show open spoiler discussion for the finale of Andor. That will be at three o'clock last night, just time a little bit later today. We hope that you will come by and join us for that. Also going to let you guys know that uh, for some reason, these freaking freeloaders in this room here, they want Thanksgiving off. Mm-hmm. So, uh thursday and friday the crew has off but i will still because i'm the one who loves you i will still be
1: you're canadian
0: <laughs> that's right it's not even my thanksgiving so i will be doing the john Campier show thursday and friday but it's going to be a little bit more laid back because it's just going to be me solo going back to the old days uh, and tomorrow that's thanksgiving uh, american thanksgiving i should say Uh, I will be doing the John Campbell show at a special start time of 9 a.m. Los Angeles time. That'll be 12 p.m. New York time. And then back to the regular time on Friday. But again, Thursday and Friday will just be me tomorrow. Special start time at 9 a.m. Because, you know, we've got family doing Thanksgiving lunch. So we're going to do that. So if you guys uh, need some excuse to get away from the family, that's coming over for just a little bit, come on over and join me for the John Campbell show tomorrow. All right. With that all down, Let's jump into some things, and we got some big things to talk about here today, and we're going to start off the top with this. You know, it's it's getting closer now. Uh, Avatar, The Way of Water, it looks like it's actually happening. It's actually going to happen. And we've been talking about it for you. I know. I mean, literally, if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the first release date for Avatar 2 was initially supposed to be 2017. So five years ago. So here we are. The movie's coming. It might have even been earlier than that, but here we are. The movie is coming out. The final trailer's aired. We're just in the final kind of countdown the last couple of weeks before this movie opens. And, you know, a lot of the questions have been, how is this going to do? And it's fair to ask, how is Avatar going to do? Because the first Avatar is the biggest movie of all time. With uh, $2.9 billion at the box office, it is the number one film in history. So a lot of eyeballs are going to be on the second Avatar. Now, I've said for a long time, I don't believe this Avatar is going to make $2 billion at the box office. Only five films have in history. I don't think this will be one of them. But it's going to make a hell of a lot of money. But how big of an opening will it have? Well, the headlines are now coming out suggesting that Avatar 2 is expected to make at least double what the first Avatar made in its opening weekend at the box office. This comes to us from the folks... At CBR who write the following Uh, according to deadline James Cameron's long-awaited sequel is currently tracking to open between 150 and 175 million that's gone up a little bit because the early projections were a little bit lower than that but they've now gone up to 150 to 175 however some rivals are predicting that the way of water could hit 200 million in its opening weekend. A $150 million opening for The Way of Water could almost double the $77 million opening that the original had back in 2009. And I think that's the number that catches a lot of people by surprise when it comes up in conversation is how big was the opening weekend of the all-time biggest film in history? It was $77 million, which is great. That's a big number, but it's not like... Black Panther's 180, Spider-Man's 220, 230, I can't remember how much, right? The first one made 77. This one is poised to have a much bigger start. And it looks like those estimates, Rob, are nudging up just a little bit. I don't think that this one, I said this before, I still don't think Avatar The Way of Water catches Black Panther's opening weekend. But, I, I mean, look, it is trending up a little bit. What do you make of these numbers? Well, the numbers seem right in line with what i would think but here's the thing
1: here's the the undefinable quantity now if this movie john brings that cameron magic and judging the visuals are there but we we're still like what is this movie about we don't know if this movie has the awe and wonder quotient in it meaning if it is t- totally transportive to pandora and people are astonished by what they see And if this becomes must-see viewing for people, in our strange, weird, post-pandemic universe that we all reside in, if this movie provides the joy and the wonder that the first movie had, I think all bets are off. But that's... I have no... Other than... This is if the movie's good. If this movie delivers, it's going to be huge. And people are primed... I think this movie in particular, people are primed to see it. Mm -hmm. It just has to be great. If it's not... Yeah. And if it's not, I think, eh. But if it is, if it's got that Cameron magic, and I always say never bet against Jimmy C. If he brings the noise, this movie could be huge. And I think it'll be bigger than 200 million if it's
0: good right and that and and you know word of mouth would have to get out fast yes like really fast just normally how good the movie is doesn't affect the opening weekend too awful much it's normally about its longer legs but with the earlier and earlier thursday releases i mean if the word comes out that it's got that magic like you said people could then hop online and go well what's available for saturday now let me ask you this when does this movie preview when are they showing this to critics um next
1: week i believe okay that's a telltale sign. Three weeks before it opens? I
0: don't know when their embargoes are going to be at this point.
1: Right, but if they're showing it three weeks ahead of time, they know that embargoes... What's the
0: actual release date for the movie? The 16th, I think. It's the 16th? Yeah. So we're yes. about... Well, yeah, from there, it'll be about two, two and a half weeks once they see it. Uh, until they are supposed out. to lift on the 6th of December, though. So like 10 days before it's out, people are going to be able to say how they feel about it. Well, yeah. I mean, that shows that they've got confidence yep. in this film. They know what they have. Chris, Mm -hmm. you're seeing these numbers thrown around. I, I mean, obviously, the first movie had a very successful, but not what you call mind blowing opening weekend. This one is going to have a very substantial weekend. How big do you think this could be? I think really big.
2: And I think it's going to have great legs, too. I think we're going to see a higher number than we did for the initial run of the first film. Because there are people who are excited about this film, no matter what the Internet says. There are people who are very excited about this film and want to see the spectacle of it. They are going to bring the noise and the funk RMB. and going to right. happen. <laughs> They're going to bring it all. And I think it's going to do really, really well. You know, at CinemaCon, we were playing this game of when we were meeting people of, hey, what do you think is the biggest box opener or box office number for the year which movie do you think it's going to be and you know i called avatar then and i'm standing by it now
1: you know john also you know who's going to love this release is imax oh my god wakanda forever did really well with imax i'm sure that the executives at imax are just like "Yes, (laughs) yes well
0: and if you ask james cameron good canadian kid by the way if you ask james cameron like, if you could tell people to see it in one environment, what's it going to be? James Cameron will say IMAX 3D. Mm-hmm, yeah, right. That was, I mean, to see the the first avatar in IMAX 3D was astonishing. Yeah. I won't be watching it in 3D, but uh, I'm sure Ray will. Ray will be very excited about it. I'll go with in you, 3D. Ray. Yeah. For, for what? For, for, uh,
1: for, <laughs> for uh, Avatar. For, uh, Never
0: mind. We just got the yeah, show yeah. already we'll, in <laughs> progress. This is fine. Yeah, it's fine. Broken-minded. You're <laughs> busy already in the chat room there. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about this? They're saying this Avatar film will probably more than double what the original Avatar did in its opening weekend, but will it be enough? Whatever you guys think, however big or small you think it'll be, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top, and that is this. You know, I'm, I'm hesitant to discuss this. Just so you guys know, I get people writing to me and texting me and messaging me all the time with news, right? And nine times out of 10, I completely ignore it. Like I was apt ah, and that's maybe 10% of the time I, I take it a little bit seriously. And maybe, you know, some of the time there's news that comes out. We've talked about on the show. There's news that comes out that I go, ah, uh, yeah, that, this is one of those things. Somebody wrote me about a few months ago. And I said, well, that's bullshit. And just threw it away. Never <laughs> talked about it. Uh, that happens. So, this is one of those things we're going to be talking about Ant-Man quantum mania. This is one of those things that I initially kind of sidetracked in my head. I reached out to a couple of other pundits in the space just to see if they heard anything about it. And I said, you know what? I'll at least talk about it because it's interesting. It's interesting. So that is this. You guys will remember that a, a number of weeks ago, uh, actor from The Good Place, William Jackson Harper, who uh, we all like. Here's a. We'll bring up an image of him here, so you know who we're talking about. Love him. We like. It. What's his name on the show? Cheedy. Cheedy. I Keep love him. Call him huh? Cuddy. <laughs> um, who's great on The so Good Place? Good. He's so good, and he plays that smart, nerdy guy so well that some people speculated when they first cast him, like, could he be Reed Richards? I mean, because I mean, he's certain stereotyping and there's not serious, but uh, a type casting, type casting, yeah. a stereotyping. He's definitely a far departure from what you would think about a Reed Richards, but type casting, yeah. it, it seemed like, so it was worth fun. I don't think anybody really seriously thought he was going to be Reed Richards at all, but still we found out he's going to be in it. Well, I got a message the other day saying that William Jackson Harper is going to be playing quasar who is a a little bit more on the obscure side of the Marvel characters. Rob, you're going to tell us a little bit about Quasar here in a second. And again, one of these things I read and I was like, yeah, sure. And just kind of, but I just thought, well, wouldn't that be interesting? So I talked to a couple of other pundits, uh, three of them, two of which have not heard this. One of which said, you know, I heard something about that, but I, I don't know if that's true or not. So at least one other pundit I know have at least heard this. So I thought it would at least be fun for us to get together here and speculate about this a little bit. For those of you who don't know anything about Quasar, he is a uh, he's a Marvel character. Rob Well, he is now
1: Wendell. Quasar is actually a character that's been played. Wendell Vaughn, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been the he's the modern Quasar. Quasar is a character that is powered by the quantum bands that were created by. That
0: sounds a little familiar. <laughs> uh huh.
1: That were created by Eon, and and they the wearer cannot take them off. You know they're like part of you, and there have been different characters that have played. Uh, there have been different entities that have taken on the the mantle of Quasar, but you're a protector of the universe. That's what Quasar does. But all of his power comes from the quantum realm, and those bands are pretty familiar. I mean, if not, maybe not in that picture, not the way they're depicted. But, right now, but, but. it make. I mean, it makes sense to me that if the thing about the quasar character now he's he's a human character. He's been and he's been aliens in the past mm-hmm. and other other characters. But what I find fascinating about this character is kind of involved on the celestial side, kind of the the the. The big, from, from the big gun side of the Marvel Universe, the very powerful side, maybe he's not in cahoots with Kang, but maybe keep, keeping Kang at bay or something, mm. you know, and that there's something going on there between these two. Like, Quasar would be somebody that I would think that Kang would have to surmount, be an obstacle that, that Kang would want to either remove off the playing field or they are in opposition I I don't know. I mean, I, it's hard to say, but uh, it's going to be very interesting because if Quasar is in the movie, it means that hopefully we'll see more of the Celestials or the involvement of, well, Eon. I don't know how they're going to depict Eon, yeah. but how are they going to? They they did sort of an interesting thing within Thor. You know, the 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 anthropomorphization of these ideas. We saw it as a place, not Eon, but we saw, yeah, you know, Thor going to a place as opposed to a thing. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to do that, it could be really interesting. It made me, when you told me about Quasar, I'm like, huh, how would that work? But, I mean, obviously, does that mean that Captain Marvel's powers come from the quantum realm? Does Miss Marvel's power, do the Bindles, are they, or the, what is it, the band, what is it? The, the, bangles. the Bangles. The Bangles, yeah. Are those all powered by the quantum
0: realm? Yeah, we know we know uh, Captain Marvel is from the the Cree. Well, and the Infinity Stone, right? Right. She got her her power from that Infinity Stone. But is it all? Is it all? Co- I, yeah, that's a, and by the way, the we did while there the have ten rings. That's see, that's mm-hmm. where a lot of people are going to start wondering, right? Now you mentioned that there have been different entities that have taken on the mantle of Quasar. What I was told was that it was the uh, Wendell Vaughn. Yes, uh, Iterate, that would be that 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 would be the Quasar that they would be doing on this one, Chris. You hear about this. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is a character that could fit into what we're seeing with Ant-Man? Does this make sense? Or do you think it'd be something else entirely?
2: Oh, I think this makes so much sense because of the bands, Because it is something that he gets his power from that. And it seems to tie in with all these other characters. Ties in perfectly with Ant-Man and the Wasp. I really, really enjoy this. Plus, Wendell has this really great moment of being just a sad boy in the comics. Where he's really disheartened with what's going on in his life. He didn't have the kind of... um, killer instinct to be a shield agent so so he goes home back to wisconsin just hangs out with his mom plays guitar and is a sad boy and i love your regional
0: dialects are so tight (laughs) and uh i
2: I just i i just keep thinking about when Cheedy made chili and was just losing his mind on the good place and was like everything is pointless so i'm just gonna make this chili with marshmallows and i feel like that's the energy i want with quasar
0: all right Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Hearing whispers that Jackson um, is going to be playing, William Jackson is going to be playing Quasar. Do you think that would make sense to you? Maybe it's a character. Probably a lot of you have never even heard of the character before, but it sounds like there are some narrative ties, or maybe this is just another BS rumor going around. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? What would you think? Do you think it could be real? Whatever your thoughts are, jump into the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top here, shall we? And that is this. Okay, so we I don't know if you've heard, but there's been a bit of a shakeup over at Disney. What happened? No. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you heard about this.
2: Is Bob Chapek uh, okay? Uh uh
0: no. Um, no. Uh, I heard he got demoted. Oh no. Yes, he's now uh the cat keeper of disney you know how at disneyland every night they yeah. let out a thousand cats to go and hunt <laughs> down mice now so he's now officially bob chapek is now the cat keeper bob iger's in charge of disney now i don't know if you've heard that but what is interesting is there are major trades right major trades have been writing granted this is speculation but this is not speculation coming from you know hack sites like the John Campy YouTube show or whatever. This is coming from the major trades that the speculation right now is that Bob Iger came back to get the house in order and to sell Disney to Apple. That's what these are. That's something that the rap right now is writing. Let me read this for you here. Uh, Now that Disney CEO Bob Iger has regained the keys to the Magic Kingdom less than three years after his chosen successor, Bob Chapek, took over, insiders suspect that they know how the beloved executive will find a new way to go out on top during his final two-year stint. He's going to sell the company, one insider reported to us, who has worked under Iger and predicted this is the pinnacle deal for the ultimate (laughs) dealmaker. So now look, you're talking about Bob Iger. Bob Iger is the dealmaker deal, mate. He's the guy who acquired Star Wars. He's the guy who acquired Marvel. He's the guy who acquired Pixar. He's the guy who acquired Fox. He's the guy who launched Disney+. Plus. Can you imagine what his commission would be with that sale? I don't know if as CEO you work on commission, but... <laughs> I don't know. But he's a major like a Apple fee. shareholder too. There's some finders. Yeah, there's some finders fee. Now listen, let me tell you why here. You should be dubious... Of this, all right. The the main reason you should be dubious is that it's not Bob Iger doesn't get to decide if Apple gets sold or if uh, if uh, Disney gets sold or not. That is the decision of the board, which Bob Iger is no longer on. Bob Iger during his main reign at Disney, he was both CEO and chairman of the board, which meant his power was unquestioned and untouched. Now, there is a new chairman of the board that worked under him, as a matter of fact, for many years, and he is CEO. So, Bob Iger doesn't get to decide whether or not Disney gets sold or not, okay? Let's be very clear about that. That being said, that doesn't remove the possibilities that maybe one of the reasons the board brought, and again, this is where we're getting into the area where the rap and uh, uh, variety are getting into speculation here, Okay. One of the reasons the board may have chosen to bring Bob Iger back is because maybe the board is keen on selling Disney. And who better to broker the deal than the greatest deal maker in the business? In Bob Iger. Now, one of the other things that makes this plausible, I'm not saying believable, I'm saying plausible is this. You may be thinking to yourself, John, Disney is expensive. That I mean, who's it because Chris, you looked up the the value. What's the valuation of the, of Disney right now as a company? They are worth how much? 178.6 billion billion. 178? Mhm. Billion dollars. Yeah. Who the hell has 178 billion dollars? I'll tell you who does. Apple. <laughs> Because while Disney is worth 178 billion dollars, isn't that adorable? Says Apple. <laughs> They're worth 2.3 trillion. What? Yeah. Apple, everybody just soak in that for a second. Apple is worth 2.3 trillion. Sound <laughs> 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 the <by> Alan Horn. <laughs> So you are literally talking about a company that is worth what? 15x. Yeah. they could literally buy and sell Disney 15 times over for for the for Tim and company, that would be a eh, like an executive lunch. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, cut the check. It's really not that big because remember Disney what what was Disney's market cap? I think Disney's market cap was somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred and no, no, their, no, their mark happens around the $90 billion mark when they bought Fox. And so, and they were not worth 10 times what Fox was worth at the time. So financially speaking, this is something that could happen uh, without too much terrible trouble. And, you know, Apple has been showing again, I'm only, I'm just sitting here right now, making the case that if you want to believe this story, I'll make the case for you. So it could be something that the board is looking at. Uh, Apple is worth more than like probably about 15 times what Disney's worth. They could easily buy them without breaking Mm -hmm. a sweat. Apple has shown in the last number of years, they are very keen in expanding into the entertainment vertical. They launched Apple TV+. Plus. They're now producing movies with Martin Scorsese. I mean, they they have shown they're very active in this thing. Also, if you want me to make another argument for you, if you want to believe this, Apple and Disney have a very long history and a lot of connective tissue between the two companies. A lot of connective tissue between the two companies. But we talk about Bob Iger. You're talking about a major shareholder. I think he is the most significant individual shareholder of Disney. He's also a very significant shareholder of Apple. He's the ultimate deal maker. And if you did want to sell Disney to Apple, he's the guy to do it. I don't think there's any dispute about that. He's the guy to do it first you got to get the ship in order raise the value as much as you can blah 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 blah, all that kind of stuff i'll tell you right now i don't know that i believe this story um i could see apple being interested in buying disney i I could see there being interest there again because of their desire to get into the entertainment vertical um but disney is disney's disney I, i mean so while i there's enough stuff here that would make me go Okay. I I could see that happen. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I I don't think that's what's happening here. Although, I mean, it could be very plausible. Chris, you see this, the concept of Disney being bought. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's an odd one. When you look at what are the arguments for it against it? And then ultimately, do you think this is actually real?
2: I mean, the, the biggest argument for it is just the numbers that we just went through. It would make sense. It would make great financial sense, especially because we're seeing that little tick in the stock at Disney increasing right now. So it is something a little more more desirable than it has been, right? It's got all that great IP. They own everything else. And Apple can't afford it. And they definitely want to be one of the big wigs in streaming. And they have been. Their content has been amazing lately. The thing going against it is I'm trying to figure out a world where the House of Mouse does not own itself. You know, I was a Disney intern, and no matter what job you have at Disney, you all go through the exact same training. It is a culture. It is a, a very much like from the ground up, we all are the same kind of um, workforce here. And I'm wondering how shareholders and board members would feel, aside from the financial gain, of maybe losing that part of their company's identity. I feel like they really like being in control of themselves. But I mean, at the end of the day, cash usually wins.
0: I mean, the other thing too is uh, the one question I have as well is Does while I see Apple wanting to get into the entertainment vertical more Mm -hmm. and get more invested there, they, they clearly have a future there. Yeah. Do they want to be in the theme parks business? Do they want to be in that business there? But plus Rob, you know, at the end of the day, the ultimate responsibility of the board is their shareholders. And if they can make their shareholders a lot of money, I mean, I I don't know. You hear this. What are the points in this whole thing that are standing out to you the most? Well, one,
1: I don't think this would ever happen. I don't think it benefits Apple at all. Because if they want to get into the entertainment vertical, they can do whatever they want. They already have more money than, I mean, why would a technology company that's worth, what is the market cap? Over
0: $2 trillion. Yeah, I think it's around $2.3 trillion. The only thing that
1: the acquisition of Disney would make, the only thing that would bring Apple is a big pain in the ass. Do they want to run cruise ships? You know, and maybe they'll fill the cruise ships with Apple software. Wouldn't they make more <laughs> money selling Apple equipment, and Apple software to Disney already? Mm-hmm. I I don't see that this makes any sense at all for Apple as a company because a lot of what Disney does is so far removed from what Apple does. Yeah, as uh, far as we
0: all forget Disney is more than just that entertainment vertical. Yeah, I mean it's you've the got you parts, there's
1: the and and apparel, you know,
0: merchandising, the and
1: Apple's like uh we can we can buy it here here's a new iPhone we just made more money than you made in 10 years you know i mean more profit and and there's i think that there's no advantage at all for apple to buy disney other than the fact that they could say it gives a whole there's so much with apple they're like manufacturing technology that's all they do and i think the reason that they have uh stuff on their streamings that they're making entertainment is because that's just an extra added bonus for the stuff Watch our content on our phones, on our computers, on our monitors, whatever. They're just – and it's fun for them. They can make movies and they can spend enough money that they can hire the best people. Oh, we're going to make a movie, but we're going to get Martin Scorsese to make a movie. And we're going to spend $200 million on it. And you know what? No one cares because we can make that in an afternoon if they need to or whatever. So there's no reason for them to buy Disney. I don't see any upside at all unless they have a long-term strategy that – i'm unaware of or that we're all unaware of that makes it
0: I, I just think it's a it's a whole it's a business that is not theirs the one argue because i agree with you i don't think this is going to happen i mm-hmm. agree but let me play devil's advocate for a second apple's history is a history of identifying something they want to be in and buying out somebody else who's already sure. doing it yeah that is the apple way I mean, of course, they innovate, they do a lot of stuff. But if you go through their history, there's a lot of their technology says, you know, we want to do that. So we're going to buy these guys who are doing it now. And so that's the one thing I would say that if they are really want to get seriously into the entertainment vertical and they've made some great strides themselves, but they lag far behind, you know, a lot of the other major players right now, buying Disney becomes kind of a no-brainer for that. If they were dead serious about wanting to get, get elevated in the entertainment vertical, it could also be, depending on the culture of it, you have a Tim Cook who's like, man, if I was the man to bring Disney into the Apple family, that's my legacy right there. But again, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I'm just trying to play double. Yeah, advocate I mean, here. I just don't see what the advantage to Apple it would be. I mean, if they
1: wanted to have a cruise line, they'd build the Apple cruise.
0: And they'd <laughs> but, build but, the but ships why scratch. Build, why do that? Why do that? It's the same reason why they buy a lot of other smaller technology companies. Why do that when that's been done and we can just acquire it? I I mean, there is an argument to be made. for. And again, I'm saying this is somebody who agrees with you.
1: But the smaller technology is something they buy and they can integrate into their own product. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't see where is acquiring Disney, other than the fact they can say they own it, it's it's, it's way afield of their core business.
0: Again, it all depends on... An X factor we don't know. Right? How exactly. serious are they about wanting to dominate the entertainment? I mean, vertical?
1: but they have so much money. Yep, that they can do whatever they want already in the entertainment vertical. If that was their desire, but
0: they would still want to do it the most financially expeditious and most financially uh, efficient way.
1: I think if Apple was going to buy anybody; they'd buy Paramount, or buy Sony, or buy somebody that.
0: Because well, why would you buy them when you can buy the? better company because Disney's got too much stuff that they don't need I mean that's true that's the big that was the big question for me right it's like do they want to be in merchandising no. do they want to be in cruise lines do they want to be in theme parks do they want I mean I I, do they want to be in ESPN do they want I, and that's the reason I just don't think this is so going I Apple. just think they could, yeah
1: that's true I, I, but I just think they'd create it I mean the thing about Apple is they create their own stuff I mean their own operating systems everything and that's both for technologists that's both there's a lot of pros and cons in that I just can't see them buying Disney.
0: Again, it all depends what's going on behind the door. But then
1: again, Bob Iger could probably make them
0: believe that they need Disney. Oh, oh yeah. But yeah, Bob Iger could sell, you know, what are they called in uh, on Pandora? Navi? Mm-hmm. He could sell them tanium? bottled water. Bob <laughs> Iger could sell the Navi bottled water. I mean, that's just what he could do. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the, these reports going around that Apparently, the board would like Bob Iger to sell the company to Apple. I don't personally buy it, but I could see why somebody would believe it. And maybe it does. I don't know. What do you guys think about it? Whatever those thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right. When you're talking about big business, you're talking about razor thin margins, which is what the hair on your ball should be. (laughs) That one work. We want to thank (laughs) one of the sponsors of our show here today, our friends at Manscaped. (laughs) Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Manscaped. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim up your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the code CAMPIA for free shipping and 20% off. And this year I am so thankful for Manscaped because like most of you guys, I used to use neanderthalic dark age methods to trim my balls. Not anymore, thanks to Manscaped. It's time for all of us to give thanks to Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The heart of the package, their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAMPIA at manscaped.com. That's 20% and off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code campia be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from manscaped your balls will thank you and thank you to our friends at manscaped for being a sponsor of this episode of the john campion show was that a good segue anyway uh with that down guys alou what do we got up next here
3: Next up is our Mint Mobile Hotline Question of the Day. To have your question heard on the show, you're going to go ahead and give us a call at 951-268-4259 and leave a message. Today's Mint Mobile Hotline Question of the Day comes to us from Kyle, who's asking about some of the more mature Marvel content.
0: Hey, John and Cruz, this is Kyle from North Carolina. Like yourself, John, I was happy to hear Bob Iger was returning as CEO of Disney. But one major question I have for you guys is, based on Disney+, Plus, we have Deadpool, Logan, the Defenders, more of the mature side of Marvel. And given that we're getting Deadpool 3 and we're getting Daredevil and other characters for more mature ratings, do you think Bob Iger will change the way Disney+, Plus has formatted R-rated stuff, or do you think they'll keep it on there? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for calling that in, Kyle. You know, I think the number one question I got from a lot of people when they found out Iger was returning was uh, what's going to happen with Kathleen Kennedy. The second biggest question I got from a lot of people was what's going to happen with the more mature content there? Because since Bob Iger left, one of the transitions that we saw and one of the changes that we saw under Bob Chapek was the willingness to embrace a little bit more mature content, putting things on Disney Plus that Maybe Bob Iger would not have greenlit to go on to Disney Plus and things like that. This was one of those changes of philosophy and direction I didn't have a problem with. I mean, it's not necessarily the decision I would have made, but I had no problem with that. It was a different philosophy, new leader, different philosophy. So the question becomes, now that Bob Iger is back, what happens with the content that Disney, number one, creates and then number two, puts out on Disney Plus? Because while Bob Iger was still there, I don't think we could have imagined Disney Plus putting our rated content on the platform. And of course, now they do. Will that ultimately change now that Iger's back? Will something like, you know, Deadpool be taken off? Will something like the original uh, Daredevil that was on Netflix be removed and then put it over to, will it get shuffled over to Hulu instead where Actually, I always thought it made more sense for it to be on Hulu, but that's just me. Could they make changes like that? My first re- thought to it is, I don't think you're going to see Bob Iger change any of that. I think you won't see new, more mature stuff popping up on Disney+, but anything that Chapek brought over, I have a feeling what's done is done. They'll just leave it there. But I don't know if they'll continue down that direction with that. I mean, a lot of people ask me, well, John, what about the TVMA Daredevil they're going to do? They never said they were going to do the new Daredevil Born Again series TVMA. That was never going to happen. So certainly under Iger, that won't happen because Iger and Feige have made very clear in the past that neither of them have any desire to do R-rated content except, and they said this specifically, except for Deadpool. Deadpool will be their exception. So I don't know, Rob, when you look at it, I mean, we've seen Disney+. Plus do a little bit of evolving over the last few years when it was under JPEC. Do you think these are changes that Iger will roll back? Do you think he'll continue to go with it? Do you think he'll just leave well enough alone? the way? I don't know. What do you think the approach is going to be here?
1: Well, I think that Disney needs a diversity of entertainment. If they're going to compete in the streaming space, it can't just be for kids. And I think that if anything, maybe they'll add stricter parental controls or they'll, they'll Which they've already done. Yeah. They've done that. And or they'll keep doing that, make them even more robust. Um, because they just can't... I mean, the thing about Disney is it, it can't be the streaming service that's for families and then you graduate out out of it. You, you matriculate out of Disney+. Plus. They don't want that. I mean, that would be kind of weird. But again, I don't think that Bob uh, Iger is going to want... Uh, you can't be like a 10-year-old kid and go from an animated series to watching Deadpool. They're not going to want that either because then parents are going to get pissed. So they've got those parental controls, but I could see it becoming... More robust or, or doing something like, you know, they have foreign countries like Disney Star or something. It's yep. called where that's where their adult content is. I could and see it's actually
0: them. like a section on Disney Plus.
1: Yes. I could see that bifurcation happen where it's all available. You can pay for it and get what you want. But there's and because Disney can't afford to remain just a family streaming service. It's got to have more stuff to compete. So I, I think that maybe he'll do some of that, but they're not going to stop making material for adult audiences Mm
0: -hmm. have they ever made material for adult audiences
1: well i mean what's really interesting about disney was remember they had you had hollywood pictures and touchstone so touchstone was pg-13 you had splash you know pg PG pg-13 and then r with hollywood pictures you had things like ruthless people and down and out in beverly hills where are those movies on physical media (laughs) but um it's it's almost like they want to forget that they did that yeah, where's they blood done that in for,
0: blood out they haven't done that for a long time no they haven't done it for a
1: long time and it's weird that those movies are kind of unavailable mm-hmm. it's almost like i just want blood in blood out in 4k can i have that touchstone come on please give it to me yeah um i don't want to watch a bootleg version on youtube because it's there but i <laughs> i do think that they will eventually be doing that they're gonna have to to compete
0: chris uh you see i mean you know, we've speculated before that maybe what they do in in other territories where they take Star, put it as a section on Disney+, Mm -hmm. and that's where all the content that is under hulu here goes that maybe hulu becomes a section of just i don't know with bob Iger back now do you see them doing any sort of a change of a direction maybe going rolling it back maybe continuing moving forward what do you think is going to happen here
2: well these are one. this is one of the few things that i think bob chapek did well on honestly you know there was this interview back um this last october with the wall street journal where he talked about you know i want to be respectful of the brand but i think we all might be a little too precious with this and our consumer base doesn't have these strict guidelines like we do about what is or is not Disney programming. And if they have that kind of elasticity, maybe we should too. And I thought that was very insightful. And I think we have seen more mature shows within the existing IP Andor comes to mind, right? Yeah. When we think of mature content or things that maybe aren't family friendly, it doesn't mean like slasher films or gratuitous sex. It could just be something that is a bit more highbrow or a bit more PG-13 because there is more violence or thrill or or, you know, suspenseful moments. Things are rated... For reasons of all kinds, right? So I think that Bob Iger would continue to at least have these things exist as they are. Maybe we won't add too many more. Maybe we're not going to go buck wild on this. But he's one of the people who approved that Deadpool should remain rated R. So I think he knows that, you know, forwards, ever, backwards, never.
0: All right, guys, question is for you. Thanks. What do you think is going to happen here, particularly with Disney+, Plus, but maybe with Disney's content overall, Marvel, Star Wars, do you think they could continue marching towards a little bit more mature? And when we say mature, we don't necessarily mean anti-children, like kids, it's completely <laughs> inappropriate for kids, but do you think they'll continue that way? Do you think they'll maybe roll it back? What do you think they're going to do with this? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, Let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics? Well, that's where we need you guys because you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you guys come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campius Show. With that down, alo! What is our first main topic today?
3: Main topic number one comes to us from James Lachman, who says Aloha, John and crew. Well, episode two of Andor has finally. Oh, sorry, 12 of Andor has finally aired, and OMG, the tension was through the roof. This episode was a great way to cap off season one. John, I know you've been saying that you keep waiting for Andor to have a week episode, but with great writing like this week after week, I think you're going to be waiting a long time. I love The Mandalorian, but I got to say, I think Andor is way better. They've been able to build tension, excitement, and tell a story through dialogue or even just a simple look. Your thoughts?
0: So, sadly, last night was the finale of Andor. And it's going to be the last and or we get for a couple of years, uh, unfortunately. But this show has been nothing short of remarkable. I remember after I watched the first bunch of episodes, the first reaction to it that I said to people is that this does not feel like a Disney Plus show. This feels like an HBO show. Yeah. And I meant that in every best way possible. And I've been feeling this way through it. And now that the season is done, I can now say. I believe this is the best star Wars that has ever been on television. This, and it's not just because it's more mature or anything like that. The storytelling is the best storytelling. The character development is the best character development. Um, Just the way they, the world building, actually they've done world building in this show that I think has been a desperately needed dimension of the universe of star Wars for a long, long, long time. The writing is the best writing we've ever seen in, in televised star Wars. This and the characters, oh my God! The characters are, are just the dialogue and the so and the way they can build tension through looks, and dialogue, and exposition. And it's just been—I've had my heart pounding as much watching two people standing still in a scene as I do watching you know a Formula One race car going by. It has been absolutely remarkable, and this episode. Well, we're not going to get into any specific details to give away any spoilers or anything like that. For Again, for that, come on back at 3 o'clock Los Angeles time for our Andor after show. We look forward to seeing you there for that. But we there, there's a moment here where Luthen is standing and looking at events unfolding. Dude. And it's for the first time he sees what rebellion looks like, Right. The manifestation, the, the coming together of what a reckoning, the reckoning we've heard in the marketing, all that kind of stuff coming that you just, I felt my heart pounding in my chest as all that is going on. Uh, again, it's, it's so difficult to talk about elements of the show without giving spoilers away for the episode last night. I will say this though, as fabulous as this final episode was. And I loved it. And I was gripped every step of the way. And again, it was a side of the Star Wars universe during the Imperial era that we have never seen in Star Wars before on the movies or on TV that was desperately needed. But I will say this. The ending frustrated me. The ending frustrated me. Really? And I'll tell you why. The ending of the episode last night did not feel like the ending of the season. It felt like the ending of an episode, like the the way this show ended. It felt like, well, come back next week to see what happens next. It, It felt like just the end of any other episode. And it was a good ending to an episode, but you know, I always talk about, and not every show can be supernatural, but I love supernatural. And one of the things that I loved about supernatural was the way they structure their seasons is that every, every year is the same. They get to the end of a season They give you a wrap-up, a conclusion of what this was. They really wrap up what the story of the whole year has been, and they wrap it up and then introduce what's coming next year, what the the next story is going to be, right? They give you a little hint as to what's going to happen next. And this one just kind of ended, and it just felt like the screen went black, and I'm like, that can't be it. Oh, and there is a post credit scene. First time in any Andor episode, just so you guys know, you got to get through a bunch of the credits, but there is a post credit scene and it is significant. And you should check it. It makes you on many different levels on many different levels. It's significant against talked about a lot more in our uh, open spoiler discussion later. But other than that, the ending that I found frustrating, especially that's not what you should leave us on for two years while we wait for the next episode. That being said, I thought it was fabulous. I thought philosophically, it really brought the whole mission statement of the Andor series right to the forefront. I loved it. Rob, you had a chance to watch it. What did you think?
1: Oh, I, I I thought this was masterful television. I mean, what's really interesting from a producing standpoint, they bring this full circle from the first three episodes to now the last two. And I was thinking about it from a production standpoint. You know how we've watched these shows with one of the big disappointments I had of things like book of Boba Fett and, and, and uh, Obi Wan is just how lackluster they seem from a production standpoint. I never, I felt like, wow, yeah, I, I, this show. Like I can only imagine. So the way TV shows are made is they amortize their costs across however many episodes there are. So there were twelve episodes of this show, and five of them take place on Ferrix. So I'm, I, I, I can only imagine that when they're thinking about because you have feature film people making this, going, okay, we're going to spend our money building an actual build a location this these city streets and everything because we have a way to use them so they amortize those costs say they spent 4 million times 5 which is how they're able to build this and they take the show and they bring it from the beginning all the way to the end the use of that set in this episode was one of the most effective uses of it's both a build and sure they've got extensions and all that i was Mesmerized by how, I mean, this turns into Les Mis. I was thinking the exact Dude, same thing. I'm like, this is I, Les Mis. I'm I'm watching this and I'm thinking, the, the 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 people. I wish here's my here's my frustration with the show. I wish the fans had more of a broad base of knowledge of something like Les Mis. To understand what they're doing on this show, I could
0: hear in my head, as we're not gonna say what the scene was, but as the scene was happening, all I could hear in my head is, Can you, you hear, hear the people, people do, sing, do. Sing the song? I, I, I was ben. sitting there, I'm
1: sitting there watching this, and I, I, I'm like, This is so great. And all these people are like, Well, Rob, I find this show slow. I'm like, Because your broad base of knowledge of pop culture is a little limiting. <laughs> go watch Star Wars, read goddamn comics. Go watch some musicals. Go watch, if you knew, and first of all, it's not just watching Miz, it's liking Lameez and understanding mm. what that story is about. And it's frustrating to talk to people about this show who I'm like, you have never seen or understood half the things this show is drawing upon. And by the way, this is not a personal criticism of all of you. It took yeah. I yeah. no. No, it is not. I, look, I hadn't seen Les Mis until later in my life. You're my way too goddamn limited. No offense. Yeah. No, but, no, no but but it's it's frustrating to hear people who who it, it, it's the difference between knowing how to read and being literate. This is a show that requires its audience to understand where it's drawing upon things from, and if you don't, and I can understand, it's lost on you, and it's not as it. But I'm watching this, and I'm thinking this is a marvel that they, Marvel, that they got this show made because it's assuming a lot from its audience. And it expects the audience to come up to its level. Mm. And this, this final episode, I was shocked at some of the things that they were doing. Yeah, And I'm just like, oh, my God. And I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I read this Rolling... You sent out a Rolling Stone article that I hadn't read, which was a review of this episode, that talked about how the one thing about the show that was a letdown overall... Is that Cassian Andor is kind of a passive character. We are the audience. Is Cassian Andor? If you look, he spends a lot of the time watching things happen, and they bring this up. We're Cassian. This show is Cassian's. Te- our
0: vessel it's through our, story. We're, we're
1: and so we are all in the position of Cassian. If you needed to understand why you personally needed to rejo- join this rebellion. This show will tell you, hmm. and by the end, I mean, I'm like, I get it. I kind of because I never, I'm like, okay, I am Cassie and I'm I'm Cassian I'm, Andor, I'm Cassie and <laughs> yeah, Andor, I'm Cassie and Andor. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. No, but John, I was, I, I thought the show, and I have to disagree with you because I think what you're talking about, about the, the not the post-credits scene, but the ending of the, the show, seemed, yeah. seemed a little bit of, like, but I thought what happened in the entirety of the episode was really. yes yeah i I agree the the
0: entirety of the episode is great and by the way one other thing i should point out again we're not going to go into details but of course it's understood that never not in television history since pam and jim has there been a couple that the audience has wanted to ship more oh my god than deidre and cyril (laughs) and and like all i'm gonna say is (laughs) watching it and Anne's like sometimes there'll be these awkward moments and Anne will go like we'll just be sitting there watching it and Anne will just go Kiss, yeah. right? So we're saying, I'm, I'm going to swear, we're sitting there. Th- and Anna's like, something, like there's a scene that's happening. There's this tension. And all of a sudden, Anna and was like, fuck.
1: <laughs> Dude, I got to say, I, somebody texted me and said, Cyril has become the ultimate simp lord. And I'm like, that's exactly what he's become.
0: Or no, it was a was do simp sex, lord. do sex.
1: I mean, it was, it was... That was, and that's the thing. They took all the threads, all these characters, and brought it all back and tied it up into a neat little bow. And by the way, you know what this thing did the most, the best? It made the
0: empire terrifying. Yeah. Well, there's an image, there's a visual image, and I won't give you the context of it at all. But there's an image that happens in the show that in any other time and any other circumstance, It would just be, oh, it's it's a fun... But there's an image that happens in the show, and again, no context, of a stormtrooper falling from a window. But the way Gilroy and crew framed, set up, and shot the scene, that image became a snapshot representation of what was happening, not just in the moment, but what was happening in the galaxy. And anyway, I, 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 oh, I, yep. I need to go over to you know, You I'm normally, halfway through because I I yeah, go you normally watch it after the show yeah. on Mondays before the. I watched some of, of it this show.
2: morning while I was getting ready though, and I'm just at the part where there's a flautist.
0: Yes, let's just say yeah. That, which yeah. is not a phrase you ever thought you'd hear in Star Wars. No. <laughs> yes, it scene <laughs> when it was happening, So I was like, Hey, hey did have, you guys played. have a chance to watch uh, the, the last episode of Andor yet?
4: I'm watching it after this. I watched it. That was lit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Taylor's you hey, Dr. It.
4: Seuss, actually. All the, not going to spoil anything, but all the instruments are reminding me of Dr. Seuss. Oh, Hell yeah, oh, a little I
1: bit of the it. Klausen style. Dude, mm-hmm. and those stormtroopers were dead shots. There's no yeah. stormtroopers who miss in yeah. this show.
0: The, 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 the whole fun stereotype of stormtroopers can't, yeah, that that's doesn't happen here. That's mm-hmm. I mean, and,
1: and the thing is, the, I thought the Empire was truly scary.
0: Anyway, guys, question is for you. Have you had a chance to watch the final season, the final episode, I should say, of Andor season one? If so, what did you think about it? If not, you've got a bunch of hours to go ahead and watch that before our Andor after show at 3 p.m. today. We hope you guys will come and join us for that. So jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, Let's move on to main topic number two. And our second topic today is a Wednesday regular now because, you know, we were just talking about watching Andor. That's on streaming, and there's always new stuff coming on streaming. So this is our regular Wednesday of what's streaming next. And we're going to take a look at some of the big highlighted things that are coming out on streaming this week. And it's a little bit more of a limited offering, but some pretty high-profile stuff here. So let's go over and look at what's streaming this week. We're going to start... With stuff that's coming out today, today on streaming, coming out on Peacock, we have Pitch Perfect, Bumper in Berlin. (laughs) It is difficult for me to summon the phrasing and the words to express how not interested I am in this. (laughs) Uh, And I'm a fan of Pitch Perfect. I'm a fan of it. I wasn't so big on the last one they did, but I, I'm a fan of Pitch Perfect, but I totally forgot this was even coming out. They did talk about it a while ago. I forgot it was coming out. Anyway, a <laughs> spin-off of the film series Pitch Perfect developed by Megan uh, Amron and Elizabeth Banks based on characters created by Kate Cannon starring Adam Devine, so he was, he was actually one of the regular characters in Pitch Perfect, one of the smaller ones, and Jamila Jamil, who is, of course, uh, was just in uh she oh. Is Flula Borg in this? Yeah.
1: Okay, I'll, oh, watch he is? I'll, watch that. Yeah. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'm, not I'm sold. sold.
0: All right, again, so that is now <laughs> out today on Peacock. So if you're a big Pitch Perfect person, uh, of course, un- unfortunately, no Anna Kendrick, which is what I would be watching it for, not there. But if you are into that world, it's out on Peacock right now today. Also coming out today officially, we've been talking about this one for a while, looking forward to it. Wednesday Woo. is officially now out On Netflix, it follows Wednesday Adams' er, uh, years as a student when she attempts to master her emerging psychic ability, thwart and solve the mystery that embroiled her parents, starring Jenna Ortega, uh, Gwendolyn Christie, Catherine Zeta-Jones. So that is now, we've been talking about this one for a while. I think, I'm not a big Adams family person. Uh, Just, I'm admitting I'm not. But this looks great to me. And I'm not even a Tim Burton guy. I like a few Tim Burton things, obviously Pee Wee and stuff like that, but I, I'm not generally a big Tim Burton guy, but this looks great to me. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing Wednesday. All right. Coming on Friday to Disney Plus, we've got the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, Star-Lord, Drax, Rocket, Mantis, and Groot engage in some spirited shenanigans in an all-new original special created for Disney Plus. you know the first reactions to some of it to Guardians of the Galaxy have been coming out the holiday special and they're saying it's delightful. A lot of really good positive stuff. Again, I wasn't... I wasn't paying any attention to the holiday special to be honest with you. I did not care about that. I love James Gunn. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy but I've been looking forward to Guardians 3 not the holiday special and then the trailer came out I'm like, all right, you got me. So that comes out this Friday just a couple of days from now on Disney+. Plus. Also coming out on Friday on Disney plus is the hip hop nutcracker. Uh, <laughs> Mickey mouse is one of the most enduring symbols in our history. Those three simple circles take on a me virtually. Uh-oh. Oh, that was the wrong description. God, put it in there. That was for the, yeah, uh, me, I did uh, that, that was for sure. the, uh, the documentary series the other day, but the hip hop nutcracker again, tis the season, <laughs> the Christmas season. We got these specials coming out that comes out on Disney plus also on Friday. And then to wrap things up here on Tuesday coming to Hulu and not Disney plus, is Planet Sex with Cara Delavine? <laughs> no
4: Sounds like it's going to be a very overpopulated
0: planet. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cara Delavine exploring big questions about human sexuality, examining issues including relationships, sex appeal, and the popularity of pornography. Uh, this is something that's in my calendar. So we will be watching this one on Hulu. Mm -hmm. See how this goes. Uh, Anyway, so that is the big stuff that's debuting. The new stuff coming out on streaming again. Pitch Perfect, Wednesday, uh, The Guardians of the Galaxy, The Hip Hop Nutcracker, and Planet Sex, Uh, Chris what are these ones are standing out to you that you're paying close attention to
2: oh man ah, I'm and really hyped playing sex,
4: sex. Play me <laughs> sex.
2: Um, Kara owns uh, shares in a, a sex toy company so she's the person to talk about this kind of stuff I'm excited for that honestly she knows her shit um, Guardians I'm very hyped for because I love all the Christmas stuff but Wednesday's probably the one I love most because I don't just love Tim Burton I am a Tim Burton character look at me <laughs> I was made out of clay um, that show looks fantastic I didn't know about the psychic bit though so that's the yeah. only thing now hearing that description where I was like, oh, it's a little river daily for me. But I feel like it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a cool time.
1: Rob, do you got uh, one of these? I, standing? I, up I'm now? really excited for Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, look, James Gunn, he he's pretty much batting a thousand for me between Suicide Squad and Peacemaker and the, well, the, hopefully the three Guardians movies, but two Guardians movies. I'm a big fan of his. And this, like you said, it looked delightful. And I really want to know. I really want to know. I need to have this question answered. Will it be referenced that kevin bacon was in x-men first class I want to know. I wanna, are they going to play that joke or are they going to not? I want
0: to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alu, let me go over to you on this. So we got Wednesday, A New Pitch Perfect, The Guardians, Planet Sex, uh, Nutcracker. Are, are any of these standing out to you that you are like, which on this list is like, this is the first thing I got to go watch?
3: Oh, Guardians, for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. I just also love how I had no idea that Pitch Perfect spinoff existed until right
0: this second. So- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why what's next, what's streaming next is here as a segment. Yeah. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about all this, and and which one of these are the ones that stands out to you the most that you are most excited about? I think for a lot of us, it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy, but I got Wednesdays pretty high up there for me, too. Anyway, whichever one you're excited about the most, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take a second and thank another sponsor of our show here today, our friends at DraftKings. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, should be your go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. With things like same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player props, and more. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, total points, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Personally, I like the Rams to pull off a big upset win over the Chiefs next weekend. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code CAMPIA, Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code CAMPIA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And thank you to our friends at DraftKings for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, a lot of off-camera discussions going on. With that down, guys, let's move on to main topic Number three, aloo. what is our third main topic today? Main
3: topic number three comes to us from Valis Magnus, who says, Hi, John, I think we all knew that CW wasn't exactly the best run television network, but I don't know that any of us thought it was this bad. The Hollywood Reporter did a story showing that the network was losing $2 for every $1 they made. <laughs> so they'd be making $400 million in a year in revenue, but by the end of the year, they'd be showing losses of $400 million. How could a business carry on this way? What do you guys think?
0: All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And of course, uh, some people are are a little bit confused about what's going on with CW. Some people thought CW was just kind of shut down. No, CW is still a thing. Um, It has the same owners. It's just that one of the owners, who was like a little tiny minority owner, is now the 75% majority owner of it. They bought a bunch of the ownership away from Warner Brothers and and others. But Warner Brothers and others still have like 12.5% ownership each. But anyway, it's still there. It's still running. But because of the sale, right, the books come out. People are able to look at the books. And while all of us knew that CW was not the most profitable network out there, they make low-budget shows, whatever, I don't think a lot of us understood how badly it was hemorrhaging money. Uh, This comes to us from the folks over at uh, Variety who wrote the following. According, or sorry, from Hollywood Reporter, according to a Hollywood Reporter analysis of the financial statements that were included in NextStar's latest quarter, that NextStar is the company that now is the majority owner of CW, that were included in NextStar's latest quarterly filings with the SEC on November 9th. The CW had revenue of about $100 million per quarter in 2021 through 2022 for an annual run rate of $370 to $405 million. That's what their revenue was. However, It had annualized losses between 300 million and 400 million. That means that 400 million they made was gone, and then another 400 million was gone. So the two to one ratio. In other words, for every dollar it took in, as many as $2 were flowing out. The CW has never turned a profit since being formed in 2006. The largest source of expenses for the CW was programming, and it acquired that programming from Warner Brothers and Paramount, making it economical for the joint owners. Now, to really highlight how bad of a situation this was and is. Now, first of all, most people in the industry are like, wait a minute, it's never been profitable? Yeah. Mm. So Warner Brothers and Paramount could operate CW also as a little bit at a loss because they could use some of that for tax purposes and tax shielding. Still, they never wanted it to be that bad. And here's how bad it was. Rob, let's say, I don't know, I'm going to sell you, this bottle of aviation gin. The problem is it's used. Um, I lick the cap a lot, and it's half it's half drank. So I'll, I'll, I'll probably sell it to you for for a discounted price, and you would buy it, maybe I'd have to drop it to two dollars, maybe four dollars, whatever. but you know, we'll find a price that works for you. right
1: I can't call Mint Mobile and ask them to ship me a
0: case of it. Uh, no, unfortunately, we can't. Okay. <laughs> what would not happen? Is in our negotiations for this uh, John saliva-drenched uh, aviation gin bottle, is you cannot say you can offer me say, you offer me ten bucks, five bucks, four bucks, we'll figure out a price. What cannot happen is you can't come to me and say, "Hey, John, how about you give me twenty dollars and I'll take that bottle off you." That is what happened with CW, NextStar, who is now the de facto title owner of CW. They actually made $45 million out of this deal. In other words, Warner Brothers and Paramount ended up giving Nextstar $45 million to take the company off their hands. Now, again, it isn't as cut and dry as that. And the Hollywood Reporter article does kind of point out that it's a little bit more complicated than that. But they say at the end of the day, that's what it was. At the end of the day, when all the accounting is done, Nextstar actually got paid to take CW and to become the main owners of that. That's not good. No. <laughs> that it's run like that. But again, the, it kind of highlights why then Warner Brothers and Paramount wanted to divest themselves of this thing. It gives them one less outlet and avenue to sell their content on. And it sounds like Nextstar is going to keep, you know, the current CW programming for the next year, but then they're going to move on from that and acquire other programming. I don't know, Rob, you hear about this. What are the parts that stand out to you? Well,
1: at least we we'll get another season of Riverdale, right? <laughs> uh, or it gives new meaning to the, I want my $2 back. But no, I think that this is something people don't understand that it's not as easy as you might think to make money in the entertainment business. <laughs> and this is a, a shocking example of why. You know, the, the it's not so easy and it's not so cut and dried. People keep this around like you pointed out. It's not bad to always have a loss leader, tax loss a way to defer your costs or whatever. But look, at the end of the day, what's really unfortunate is the the budgets of these shows did not affect the fact that a lot of these creators are trying to make great programming. You know, and great programming can always it's always beholden to the, the parent companies or who's paying for it or are they or aren't they making money. And we've looked into, we've reported on how many people watch CW shows. Not a lot. You know, some of those numbers are shocking compared to other other shows. Yeah, I
0: think they said Stargirl, whereas, you know, Yellowstone, for for comparison, its debut episode had 12.1 million viewers, which is astronomical. Uh, I think Stargirl, the report we read, said it was an average of 250,000.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the days of uh, all of these shenanigans, What the, the streaming world has really opened this up. To the, 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 there's a foundation of sand with a lot of this stuff. And we're going to see a lot more of this kind of thing, maybe not to this extent. But there's going to be a lot of things changing in our business in the next five years.
0: Mm-hmm. Chris, th- there's a lot of information here, a lot of numbers being thrown around. But when you mm-hmm. look at the CW situation, what aspect of this is standing out to you the most?
2: I mean, the operating at a loss this whole time is just kind of mind blowing. But then it's not when you look at the numbers, right? Of, there have been times where we've talked about this, where more people have collectively tuned into this show than The Flash.
0: It's really weird which to think is, that way, yes.
2: Which is a major bummer in a way of like, oh, thanks for watching us. But also like they they have like a whole budget and Team of people doing things. Guys, they're really trying over there in Canada. Let them do it. They're making magic. Um, I mean, it, this has been a Sorry, long wait. time coming, right? The writing's been on the wall for a long time. People have not been tuning into these shows. A lot of their programming is canceled after just one season or canceled preemptively before we even see the end product of things. Most of their flagship programming fizzled out too. Superman and Lois really is the only thing that's still kicking of and the, isn't that getting moved over to HBO? I believe so. Um, and, you know, there, there's really just nothing worth watching on there anymore, except for Nancy Drew, which you can see January 6th with Aaron Cummings.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Aaron Cummings runs starting out. And hey, listen, let's not pretend, CW has had some incredibly big wins yeah. that will be considered, like Smallville. People up. I was just talking about Supernatural. I mm-hmm. love Supernatural. It had a great run. Um, I, I was never a fan of it myself, but Gossip Girl. Was a, a big culturally relevant show for mm-hmm. a very long. I mean, they have had some very, very big. The Arrowverse when it started, yeah, when Arrow was going and Flat when Arrow and Flash were kind of in their height. They've had some really, really big wins. So it's not like it's been a a complete dumpster fire. All no, the time but in the last like two
2: years, we've seen things just go downhill yeah. in terms of programming.
0: All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this whole situation? Are you surprised to hear how much money CW was actually losing, that they were only making as much as they were? What stands out to you about some of the great things about CW? Anyway, whatever you guys think, jump into the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? Hello. what is our fourth main topic today? Topic
3: number four comes to us from Bright Dawn, who says... Hey, Campia Crew, you guys recently talked about how the prices of streaming has ended up being more expensive than the old cable packages were. Saw an article saying that Disney could be responsible. Looks like they're being sued for using the fact that they own Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN to artificially inflate the cost of all streaming TV services. This is huge and could shake things up a lot if they're found guilty. Do you think this could get the prices down?
0: All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, Brighton. Look, I, I read this I'll be honest with you. This is not something I'd ever considered that Disney. I've always saw Disney owning, you know, Hulu, Disney plus ESPN as just a good, solid, you know, collection of streaming platforms that they have. I, I never saw anything anti-competitive about it, anything like that at all. But this article and this fact that's this has come out in an article in the Hollywood Reporter have kind of made it look like, actually, this could be kind of sleazy what's going on here. Uh, when you're talking about Disney and how they're managing this. Anyway, this to give us a little more context, this comes us from the Hollywood reporter, right? The following. The lawsuit pits YouTube TV subscribers who filed the lawsuit on Friday in California federal court against Disney. They point to business dealings that effectively grant the company Disney the ability to set a price floor for the market and push up prices across the industry by raising the prices of its own offerings. Since Disney acquired operational control, get this, this was stunning to me. Since Disney acquired operational control over Hulu in May 2019, prices across the streaming live pay television market, including for YouTube TV, have doubled, reads the complaint. This dramatic market wide price inflation has been led by Disney's own price hikes for Hulu Plus Live TV. The suit points to guidelines in Disney's contracts with live streaming pay TV competitors that require them to carry ESPN as a part of their cheapest bundle that they offer. The term effectively restricts the ability of Disney's rivals to provide an option that omits ESPN, cable's most expensive channel that Disney owns. So essentially, this is what the lawsuit is alleging. All right. They're alleging this. That Disney can set their prices for their streaming, and they have a live TV option with Hulu TV, Hulu, Hulu Live TV, and they can set a price for that TV, for that TV service. The lawsuit claims that them doing that is an unfair advantage because they own ESPN as well. By forcing all the other live TV carriers, like say a Sling TV or in this case, YouTube TV. I'm a YouTube TV customer myself. By forcing other carriers to include ESPN in their lowest option, their lowest pay option, like YouTube TV only has one, but still in their lowest tier option, a channel that is by definition, the most expensive channel there is. That means that Disney has effectively forced other streaming TV providers to have their cheapest option be significantly more, f- if uh, uh, what was I going to say, expensive, to be significantly more expensive than it would have been were they not forced to have ESPN as a part of that thing. And here's the reality. If you are a TV, live stream- streaming TV platform, and you don't have ESPN, I know not everybody are sports fans, but if your streaming TV service doesn't have ESPN, and the next guy's does, a lot of people are gonna skip your service and go to the next guy. So they know that they have this monopoly and they force them to put it on their cheapest tier. And honestly, this if this lawsuit hadn't come up, I never would've thought about that because when I first heard about it, it's like, listen, Disney can run their business the way they want. If they wanna set a price for their streaming platform, that's their business. And if other streaming platforms wanna follow suit, that's up to them. But now reading the details of this, I actually think Disney could be in some trouble here. Now, this is interesting, too, because it brings up another round of whispers going around the entertainment industry right now that maybe Bob Iger's trying to sell Disney to Apple. But the other one is Bob Iger is looking to sell ESPN out of Disney that maybe Disney wants to get out. of. That. Again, this brings up a lot of different things, Chris. You read this report, you read this thing. Is there something here? Like this could shake up the industry depending on what the court finds.
2: I mean, it really could, because initially going into this, it, because I am a person who is not interested in ESPN, I was like, well, who cares? They have an exclusive thing just for them. Isn't that what we want? Is don't don't you as a business go, look at this thing I'm offering you that no one else has. But when you really look at it, that exclusionary issue is a problem. I mean, I think this lawsuit definitely holds water. It's just going to be interesting to see how it pans out, because then I think a lot of other companies are going to be in trouble about having like specific things only for them. I don't know how this all works, though. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not a great legal mind, and I'm just kind of confused by how all of it's, I don't know, going down because I I just feel like looking at it in layman's terms, it feels like it's an okay thing to do. I don't know.
0: Rob, you're looking at this. How do you think this is going to shake? Well, up? I kind of feel like I, I mean,
1: you can't penalize. It. I think the real thing here is the fact that they're forcing because ESPN is is ESPN is part of this bundle. They can't mm-hmm. not sell something else without ESPN. If that's what I understand it to be. Well, is that necessarily like all of these other companies that are selling their service want to offer ESPN as part of it, but it's just more expensive? They can't do it. They're forced to pay this extra money, but then they just don't offer ESPN or what, which means they can't offer Hulu and they can't offer anything else, which I get, but isn't that just a way of doing business? It might, it's only unfair to the people that can't,
0: that have to pay more. But see, that's the thing. That's That's what the laws are in place for. Okay. The laws are in place to protect consumers from predatory practices and from antitrust practices, it's it is important to know that this is specifically an antitrust lawsuit where it's saying that they are breaking anti-competitive laws right by kind of manipulating. See what you cannot have. There's a term uh, here that's that you're probably familiar with, known as collusion. yeah, of course, right. What YouTube TV subscribers bringing this lawsuit are essentially claiming here? is that there is a singular de facto collusion happening where Disney is manipulating the prices of other competitors, which means that the customer and the consumer is being limited of choice of what they can do. Sure. And that is would be looked at as anti-competitive.
1: But but isn't it, there? look, Disney's locked into this and they want you to buy their service because then you're going to get what you want. Why do they have to allow other competitors to even sell this
0: at all? No, they don't. But the competitors know that if they don't have ESPN, they're screwed. Sure. So Disney steps in and says, okay, now that we know we have you over a barrel, you can only have ESPN on your, say, Sling TV or other streaming service, YouTube TV. You can only have our service, ESPN, if you make it a part of your cheapest bundle, which means the cheapest bundle for the consumer is now no longer that cheap. Right. It forces the prices to go up, which means across the industry, as the article pointed out, in the last two and a half years, the average price of stream TV streaming services has doubled, and part of that, according to the lawsuit, is because of this practice that Disney's put in place. Okay.
1: I mean, I get that, but I my still I still would say so. You know, I mean, that's business.
0: No, no, that there are very, very strict anti-competitive of course, laws in of place. Of course, to, absolutely. Yeah. But I
1: would, I would dare say that's, I mean, what they want. Here's
0: what business, business is, you and I are selling blue cups. Sure. Right? Business is, you sell your cup for what you want to sell it for. And I sell it for what I want to sell it for. And I try to do business such a way that I can sell it for cheaper than you and still make profit. Right. And that competition is good for the consumer. Of course. What the SEC will say is not just business, is that the three of us, say all three of us are selling blue cups. And we all say, you know what? How about uh, keep it between us? I'll raise my costs by 15 cents. You can raise your costs by 15 cents and you can raise your costs by 15 cents. And the customer doesn't really have an option here. And or... Now you're
1: talking about our healthcare system. (laughs) 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 Yes,
0: it is. Or... Like you have, because of a monopoly you have on certain things, maybe blue dye. You're like, okay, each of you guys who are using our blue dye, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make it. So you have to buy my blue dye at this price, which will force the overall cups for blue, the overall cost for blue cups across the entire market for all customers to go up and higher anyway. sure. See, that's the stuff where the SEC says, that's not just business. That's market manipulation. And that's where Disney could get in trouble here, depending on what it's interesting, though, because
1: up. ESPN is a service other people want to avail themselves of, yes, and but it's owned by Disney. So, you know, if you want another company's product and add it to your own, you have to
0: pay but, the pipe. But again, I know there's I know. laws about that because that can become for big corporations that can become very predatory on I understand on customers. So I don't know, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? I mean, at first I kind of looked and I thought, well, this is nothing. But the more I read into it, I'm like, actually, this is kind of shady. And anyway, <laughs> how do you feel about it? Maybe you feel like, hey, whatever, it's just business is business. Some people may look at this and say this is totally one company manipulating the system that will ultimately cost consumers. I don't know. How do you see it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right. With that down, let's get into our fifth and final main topic today, shall we? Alou. What is our fifth main topic today? Topic number
3: five comes to us from Kyle Waters. Walters, who says, It has been three days since Papa Iger came back to Disney, and just like that, Disney has a movie releasing in China after three years. Avatar 2 is releasing in China. OMG, shit just got real. As if Avatar wasn't already going to be the biggest movie of the year, now it's going to be even more bonkers. Currently tracking shows... Uh, current tracking shows it's going to open around 140 to $160 million opening weekend. And with good reviews, it will only go higher and higher. The movie might end up with close to what the original made domestically and 2 to $2.5 billion worldwide. How do you think this China release can affect Disney movies and the studio moving forward? And how much of an actual effect do you think Iger has for the China release? As we all know, Iger has great connections over there. Let us know your thoughts and
0: bring on the filthy. All right, Kyle. Thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, so big news. This is now in the trades. It's, it's being reported. This isn't some talk and speculation it's done. Avatar, the way of water will get a China release. And how significant is that? And how much of a role did uh, Bob Iger play in that? I'll be honest with you. I don't probably think Bob Iger had much of a role to play in this. This is probably something that would have had to have been in the pipeline for a number of weeks, probably. Now I'm not saying definitively Bob Iger didn't have anything to do with it, but it, it seems to me that he probably didn't have a lot to do with this. Now, how big of a deal is this? Well, to get how big of a deal it is or isn't, we got to look at the numbers. So this comes to us from the folks over at Deadline who write the following. China has given a theatrical release to James Cameron's Avatar The Way of Water. This is a big deal given the fact that China sidelined during the pandemic many Hollywood blockbuster films, specifically Disney Marvel movies. However... The first Avatar was a big grocer in China, earning, get this, just in China alone, more than $260 million between all of its re-releases, or 9% of the picture's $2.9 billion lifetime queue. The sequel to the highest-grossing movie of all time will hit China day and date with U.S. and Canada on December 16th. When the original Avatar movie was re-released in China in March of 2021, IMAX delivered 30% of the opening weekend's box office, despite accounting for only 1% of Chinese screens. The total 2021 re-release of Avatar in China made $58 million on just a re-release. those That's a ridiculous number. So how big of a deal of this is this? Well, not as big as some people think. Like some people have this thought that, oh, if it opens in China, it's going to make another billion dollars. Not quite. But when the re-release makes almost $60 million, that $260 million that the first Avatar made in China, I think it's going to be bigger than that. I think you're talking about maybe a $300, $350 million total. So this is the difference between a movie making $800 million and becoming joining the billion-dollar club. At at like $1.1 billion, something like that. Anyway, so I think it's going to be pretty significant. I still don't think it makes this movie a $2 billion movie. Again, now ask me after I see the film, maybe I'll change my tune. But for right now, I still don't think even with China makes it a $2 billion film. But it does, Rob, to me, make a movie that was already going to be a big financial success even bigger what how big of an influence and how big of a deal do you think it is that China's going to be showing avatar 2 well,
1: the chinese first of all they like their science fiction but this is like a chinese wet dream the evil american capitalists exploit the indigenous people to 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 so they can get their their profits mm-hmm. i mean this movie is a i mean come on workers unite but the um uh i think it's important for the film because look the chinese market's huge even though we get probably less than 50% of the box office, it still is big money. And the Chinese release, as we talked about on this show can, whether it's a hundred million, 200 million, however much it is, it's still significant. You're yeah. taking home a big, big number and it's, it's rising that box office number up. And with, with day and date with the American release, this is going to be a big, be a big opening weekend. 3d is still big in China. I think this is a, a this movie, it's just added to the prestige. I would like to, uh, up the global, I could see this movie making four or 500 million global opening weekend.
0: Chris, what about you? You're looking at this, how big of a deal is the Chinese release or is it it not that big?
2: It's a huge deal, especially since so many other films haven't been able to tap into that market recently because of how strict they've been. Now we still have people under COVID protocols, particularly around Beijing, so that could be problematic in getting people into the theaters. But if you can get butts in seats, this means a lot of money for this movie. Because yeah, to Rob's point, oh my gosh, the evils of capitalism? Go see this.
1: <laughs> and the evil capitalists are
0: back. Yeah. Yeah, of course, it's the global government. But, but yeah. So let me put it to each of you. I, I'm saying that while I think this movie is going to be a ridiculously financially successful, I don't quite think it's going to become the sixth film in history to be joined the $2 billion club. Again, I reserve the right to change my mind once mm-hmm. I see it. But for right now, where we are, where we're sitting with the information we have on hand, Rob, does Avatar The Way of Water make $2 billion? Well,
1: conventional wisdom would say that's a big number that not a lot of movies in history have made. But it's Jimmy C. And I'm going to say yes.
0: Yeah, Jimmy has two of the five films that have made $2 mm-hmm. billion dollars, with the first Avatar and Titanic. So I know, Chris, does Avatar The Way of Water make $2 billion? Yeah, I'm an optimist. Sure. Okay, I'm, I'm still going to say on the no. I think it's going to come around 1. 1.6, 1. 1.7, 1. 1.8. But- if he
1: lets us down, though, look, the movie has to be, I say this with a caveat, yeah. the movie has to be good. If it's good. trash, then And no. like you yeah. said, you reserve your judgment. I, too, will change my opinion if I see the film and think, eh, it's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. I All have right. to see it to have a final.
0: Question is for you guys, what do you think about this? How big of a deal is the fact that Avatar The Way of Water is going to get a release in China? I mean, several hundred million dollars will be at play here. Do you think that'll be enough for this to be a $2 billion film? Do you think Avatar The Way of Water will be the sixth $2 billion film in history? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we are now going to move over and take your live comments and questions. If you're watching live right now and you've got a thought, theory, opinion, or question that you'd like us to address, we are now opening up the Super Chats for just a few minutes, and now is your chance to throw those in, and we will address those in the next part of the show. Now, before we get to those, though, we want to take another minute and thank my mobile service provider, Ryan Reynolds's Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months free. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM, while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Guys, you know I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal, and I have to say, it is the perfect time to switch. Since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been spending one third of what I used to spend on my mobile service with the other big name company. And with this buy three months, get three months free, not only is it a great choice for you, but it makes great gifts for the people you love. Mint Mobile's best offer of the year is here. By going online only and with eSIM and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes those significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or if you need a new device, for a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a selected device and plan. So guys, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode. Of the John Campius show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So go down to the description of the video, and right at the top, you're going to see links to all of our sponsors and the promo codes. And again, thank you to Mint Mobile. All right, guys, with that down, let's get over and take your live comments and questions that you guys have been asking. So, Alu, what do we got?
3: Let's see. We got a J Master with some support there. And thank we you, have J Master. Mark24 Gaming with some support. Thank you, guys. Okay. Bond Presents says, I think Andor perfectly tied up Cassian's arc in the show. The last line. Stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's go. we got to move on. We got to move on. Okay. Yep.
3: Ben Rain- right. <laughs>
0: Before you said I was right.
3: <laughs> ben Rayner says, hey, guys, with the Bob's uh, change up over or under 90 percent, we get a heap full of in jokes from Deadpool about the situation in Deadpool 3. <laughs> so many timelines, so many Bob's, too many to keep up.
0: I, you know what? Okay. Deadpool, there's a train of thought that says, oh, there's definitely going to be a Bob switchover joke and whatever. But, you know, I think a lot of the jokes in Deadpool and a lot of the jabbing has always been fun, friendly. I don't know that Ryan Reynolds is going to have Deadpool take a very personal jab at an individual um, who, by the way, The Deadpool 3 movie got greenlit. Now, while I I contend it has been in the works for a very, very long time, it ultimately got the green light from Bob Chapek. So for the movie to take a kind of mean-spirited attack, which which there's no other way to do it, uh, which I I don't think they will. I don't think they'll make a Bob Chapek. Plus, it'll
1: also date the movie.
0: Yeah. yeah you know. It's
4: that, and it's so inside baseball. Most people watching that aren't going to be like, oh, yes, because the CEO was changed by another... Like mm-hmm.
0: People don't follow that like we do. Yeah, I agree. All right, what's next?
3: Hero75 says, there has been confirmed talks for a while of Apple sponsoring a ride at Epcot or the entire park so they can show off their tech, but each time the talks fail. I could see that before they buy Disney.
0: I mean, but that's just a business arrangement between two individual companies, right? So yeah, absolutely, I could see that. And again... I do not believe that Disney is going to be selling itself to Apple. I do not believe that at all. All, But I'm just saying is for those who do believe it, there is enough facts there that makes it not crazy to believe that it could happen. So, so we'll see.
1: You know, it's funny when I was a kid I first went to Disneyland and this, I was really little and all the rides were presented by different companies mm-hmm. like voyage through interspace is sponsored by Monsanto. And I'm like, <laughs> What was Monsanto? And that's, oh, as a kid, of course, they're a chemical company and all that, but they used to have, they were sponsored rides. Yeah. Especially like Tomorrowland. And Even mm-hmm.
3: uh, Small World, I think, is still sponsored by Siemens or mm-hmm. whatever.
0: By
1: yeah. what? Siemens. Oh, Is it true that they're taking the water out of its Small World and they're making it a walking attraction?
0: Oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, I thought I heard that. Yeah, I think I read Even more reason
1: for me to never ride that stupid ride. Why would they do that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I read that. I was like, mm-hmm. that's pretty sure. I saw a video. I didn't, I don't know if it's true. Please, oh if I'm wrong, Disney fans, don't jump all over me. All right. Hey, What's
3: next? No. <laughs> <laughs> Al Rencha says, seeing spirited tonight, time with family tomorrow, Knives Out 2 on Friday, devotion on Saturday, and then back home for Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Happy holidays to Now is
4: Knives Out because of the family tomorrow? Oh, there's a comma. I see. Oh, <laughs> con-
0: yeah. Punctuation <laughs> is our... Um, I am, uh, I'm, you guys should watch out today. I am going to see, um, oh, and just texted me. Apparently it's your mom's birthday today, Ray. Yeah, I to do something about that. Um, uh, what? I can't even remember what I was saying. Oh yeah, I am going to go see Knives Out today uh, and Devotion today. So guys, keep your eyes on the channel a little bit later this afternoon for I will put out my right out of the theater uh, reaction to, uh, knives out to glass. I mean, I'm very, very excited about and for devotion a little bit later today. So keep your eyes open for that. All right. What's next?
3: Cosmic says happy early Thanksgiving. Campia crew. Hope you guys have a wonderful time with your family over the holidays. And what are you guys thankful for?
0: Aww. Oh, Aww. thank you so much for that Cosmics. Yeah. I, I will get to spend it with my, my married family. Um, and uh, unfortunately I'm not gonna be able to spend any time with my uh my family who is of course up in canada and stuff like that hopefully i'll get to see them next month um i man what am i not thankful for i'm thankful for every i mean i don't want to sound cliche i'm thankful for everything i like every day i wake up and i started an exercise a few a few years ago uh some of you guys might remember somebody wrote in and suggested this thing i started doing it's like kind of start your day just think about things you're grateful for that you have in your life and i i kind of do that a little bit most days and it's, yeah, I think we're very, very lucky people. I know you guys got family plans. You just went to go see family. Yeah,
2: I just went and saw my family, which I'm very grateful I got to do because my dad had knee surgery. So I got to surprise him Well, he was all goofed up on painkillers and was like, why are you here? Uh, it was great. And uh, I, I'm i cooking turkey both Thursday and Friday. I'm cooking two different birds for two different groups of people. Oh, so. Wow. Yeah.
4: it's a lot of oven time.
2: It is. One of them going to sous vide, Ray. I'm going to be oh. real fancy.
0: <laughs> uh, what about you, Rob?
1: Well, you know what? I, whenever anybody asks me that question, I, this is not political, but I'm I'm just happy that I exist because I was adopted, and I did meet my biological mother. And the circumstances around my birth could have gone differently, so <laughs> I'm happy to be here.
0: Uh, good to know. All right, what's next?
1: J Master says, Chris,
3: the extended edition of The Muppet Christmas Carol, restored in 4K with the song When Love is Gone, finally added back in, will release on December 9th on Disney+. I am so excited about this, J
2: Master, and I fight with my best friend about this all the time because she thinks the song is trash and it is important to the narrative of the film. It never should have been removed. It's very important and I'm very passionate about it
0: and I will be playing that movie on a loop. Is it? I've never seen this one. I think it's the only (gasps) Muppet movie I never saw.
2: Oh my! This is Is the the, Michael Caine. Yes, it's the best Christmas Carol adaptation. I don't. Yes, and it's because Michael Caine treats the Muppets like performers, where so they're not Muppets; they're Shakespearean level actors, (laughs) and you will be treating them as such. It's brilliantly done. And that song is very important.
3: All right. What's next? Actually, All Dogs Go to Heaven Christmas carols, pretty darn good. Alu, are we going to fight (laughs) today? Oh, shit. All Dogs Christmas Carol. Look it up. uh, Aiden Foley says, got a job at Universal
0: Orlando, so here's some support. Love the show as always, guys. You are the best. Oh, Aiden. Well, first of all, that's awesome that you got a job. You know, it's Mm -hmm. funny how many people in my life uh, and that I've worked with have worked at theme parks because... Chris, you have worked at I worked at Disney as a character. As there. Um Wendy. Uh Wendy, my Universal. former assistant now, one half of the the movie couple on on YouTube. Roka you
4: worked at Universal.
0: What's I that? Worked at Universal. Roka worked at yeah, Universal. I, I, ah. I actually still remember I walked in and uh Roka was in the wand shop. He was the guy doing right. the things in the wand shop. Oh, and fun. he was so it's a great. You're walking in the the shoe the footprints of great people before you, man. I'm glad <laughs> you got that job there.
3: I worked at Universal.
0: Did you work University Yeah, too? I was a
3: character attendant for like a day. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next? <laughs> All right. Dumbrador says, go get a foldable phone, John. I got a Galaxy Z Fold 4, and I love how big the screen is. I can't even do a note anymore. It's too small to satisfy me now.
0: I'll tell you what, Dumbrador. It's would not the size love... of the phone. It's the. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I would love one of the foldables, not the flip ones, the foldable yeah. ones. The idea to be able to walk around with a tablet in my pocket. I I still think they need a little refinement.
4: Yeah. I'm I waiting see, for like the 5 or 6 fold.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think they're they're getting close though. Yeah. The newest generations look really good. I still think they need some refinement. The, the other problem is right now I am kind of while I prefer Android, I completely do, I am kind of locked into the Apple Apple ecosystem right now because I you know, I've got my MacBook right here i've got my mac studio on my desk in there i've got a macbook pro at home i've got an ipad it, they just listen as much as i prefer android the apple stuff works really well together yeah. and so for at least the time being i'm trapped in but once they make those refinements on the foldable stuff that's what i'm going to be looking very seriously at switching back to android like very seriously. All right, what's next?
4: Oh, uh, Ryan Trabuco gifted five memberships just now. Hey,
0: Ryan! Thank wow, you thanks, like man. It, man. That's awesome, dude. That's great. Thank you so much. Okay, what's what next?
3: T-shirt I'm wearing. It says Loki charms. Silly Loki <laughs> charms. <laughs> Suthias says, I understand why people can't tell the difference between Clark Kent and Superman. Just look at the John Campia show. You guys have both Chris Carr and Zoey Deschanel. Aw, Suthias, <laughs> you little
0: charmer. That's because uh-huh. uh, I know my fellow Canadians, the Property Brothers. They uh, were, well, yeah. of course, it's married to Zoey Deschanel. Yeah. Did you know that? One of the Property Brothers. Are they married? married yeah, I think they uh, are married. Oh, I watched so much Property Brothers this weekend with my parents. <laughs> they have like eight different Property Brothers yeah. Like They have Property Brothers, Property Brothers Forever Home, Property Brothers... Buy and sell property brothers. There's the celebrity Probably, one because we watched yeah. the Leslie
2: Jordan one. Oh, he was such a good man.
0: I remember the first time I, I realized that they were together and it was at the Rise of Skywalker. No, no, the yeah, the Rise of Skywalker premiere. And we got out of our limo and we were staying light and getting out of the limo. Well, right in front of us was Kathleen Kennedy, and then right behind us was the property brothers and Zoe Deschanel. Was something I'm like, is that Zoe Deschanel? With what is that like? new girl with one of the property brothers yeah. and i was like oh yeah they've been together for a while i'm like Aww. really then uh, I, I guess she's been on the property brothers since and mm-hmm. good for you yeah. jonathan or, Drew, or whichever one and the other one is married to this like ador- i mean he's kind of like me he's a- married to this totally adorable little asian girl that's just mm-hmm. adorable so yeah good to see both of those guys doing well mm-hmm. all right what's next James Germain
3: says, "Hey John, what if Quantum Manium is Kang forcing Ant-Man to steal the Quantum Bands?"
0: Then Quantumania will be about Kang wanting Ant-Man to steal the Quantum Bands. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, but what if? <laughs> what if? Uh,
0: I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean that could be part. Listen, clearly Kang. What we've gleaned from the trailer is clearly Kang wants Ant-Man to do something for him. Because we see in the trailer, he's trying to make a bargain. I can help you get home. I can do this and this. So what do you say, Ant-Man? But what we don't know is what's the other side of that bargain. So, I mean, that could be part of it. It absolutely could be. All right. Especially if uh, Quasar is part of it. Mm -hmm. Then then that even makes that fit even more. Okay. What's next?
3: Chef Rigo. Chef Rigo. (laughs) Being head chef equals in charge of the Bluetooth speaker in the kitchen and making everyone listen to the John Campion show. Need to educate my staff. <laughs> oh, Aww. That's right. Bring
0: some sophistication.
2: <laughs> Sorry we say fuck so much. Oh, <laughs> it's in the kitchen it's
0: not in the restaurant. They're fine.
3: They're fine.
0: They're okay. We got to go back and eat there soon. I've, it was I've been, so good. Yeah, it's such so a good place to go. So good. All right, what's next?
3: Stubble McShave says, "Rob, the streaming Santa of sci-fi. It seems like the real Santa arrived early and left something at your door. Hope you like it." Oh,
1: really? Is that true? I have yeah. no idea. What we're about. We, uh, Stubble might we haven't stopped he, by your house. Stubble, Stubble has sent me things in the past. Uh, he sent me Wheel of Time novels in hardcover. Aww. Did you give out your physical address to somebody online? Well, I have a long-standing relationship with Stubble. Okay. He's not just some random.
0: Not, 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 yeah. okay. Send your scripts. No. No, no, no. Okay, but good to know. Good I've known him know. for
1: years now. Okay. Well, I trust Stubble. All right. Stubble's good man. By the way, oh, don't r- don't write me and ask for my address. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Yeah, we'll give it to you. You're not <laughs> no wrong. problem. I'll
0: no. yeah. hand it Along out. No with problem. the place to send your scripts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next?
3: CJ Roberts says, heart don't fail. Oh. <gasps> yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm going to try not to sing. I'm going to sing it. Okay. Heart, don't, don't fail me now. Courage, don't desert me. Anastasia turns 25 this week. And rest in peace to Aaliyah, who did the end credits song. Aww. That is uh, one of my favorite fucking movies. Well, it
0: was like Yeah! yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. to sing the intro to the show every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that movie.
3: I'm a huge Disney <laughs> fan, but, like, that movie tops probably, like, oh, man, maybe it's 90% so of the Disney animated wow. movies. It's yeah. so 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 good, and and Don Bluth was an animator for Disney back in the day. So obviously it had that that woo. Well, I, so I
4: just can't can
0: good get how great
3: that was.
4: That was I know.
3: Really
4: Don right. Bluth, Don Bluth, shout out, Dragons Lair. Yes. yes. <laughs> Dragons. What's next?
3: Oh. Wraith Time Seven says, "Do you guys think that Black Adam might do better on VOD? Thought, oh, and become a cult favorite film in the years to come after it hits streaming and TV."
0: Oh, I'm day. you you're mistaking today for the 90s. <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, no. Things things be, actually it's funny cuz I think it was Matt Damon did this. I think we Matt Damon was on Hot Ones. Yep. And he gave this great breakdown about how that doesn't happen anymore. Um, and and the, the unfortunate part of that being the case is that it affects certain types of movies that can make it. But yeah, the days, it's not even recently, the days of a movie can really make a big surge on VOD. Like a lot of people write in and say, I, I, like over the years say, hey, John, do you see that this movie is like the number one chart on VOD? It's like, yeah, that's great that you're number one, but it what number one means today is very different than what number one meant like in the late 90s or early 90s. It's just... It's not something that happens anymore. Now, that doesn't mean that it can't find a better appreciation amongst people and all that kind of stuff. But the days that VOD and everything saves a movie later, I'm sure it's not 0% of the time, but it's very, very low. Also, if Black Adam were better, maybe,
1: but I don't think it has the qualities to turn it into a cult hit.
0: No, it's a fun movie. It like, is fun. I saw it a number of times. I had very fun, but its you're right. It doesn't have those qualities to be an enduring cult no. hit kind of thing. All right, what's no next? No tough turf.
3: Super Crazy Movie Geek says, are y'all okay with more Indiana Jones with de-aged Harrison Ford?
0: It all depends on the story. Is uh, Listen, I'll tell you what, though. It'd be kind of silly to bet against it because one of the best directors in the world right now, James Mangold, is directing it. And if he's directing it, I mean, this is the guy who gave us Ford v. Ferrari. This is the guy who gave us Logan. This is, I mean, I just, I trust this guy. He makes great stuff. So, yeah, I mean, look, do I like the digital de-aging stuff and all that kind of stuff? But it's like anything else. It's a tool. You can use it properly and we've can see we've seen when it hasn't been used properly mm-hmm. so it all depends
1: plus it's still Harrison Ford it's more like the Irishman you're still watching those actors play the characters as opposed to a complete digital recreation yeah I think it'd be good all right what's next
3: Jim says have you ever been to sitcom tapings'd love to know what it's like e g what happens when an actor needs to film scenes outside the standard set
2: oh it is rough <laughs> it is rough <laughs> They usually give you a pizza because they're trying to win you over. It's a long night. Tuck in. What have you been um, there for? I have. I went for Craig Robinson's show because my friend was working on it. and was like, do you guys want to come by? And then like a quarter of the way through filming, he comes out and was like, you guys want me to just let you go walk around? <laughs> the set. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that instead. This is, th- there were some actors who did not have their, their ish together and seemed a little inebriated and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Um, It's a, it's a long time, but you're there and you do like the, the laughing and somebody warms you up and everything to talk about like when you're going to react and to have those reactions and blah, 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 blah.
1: It is a pretty interesting, interesting experience though, to see if you want to see the process.
2: Yeah. I had way more fun though. Cause then we got to just sneak out and we walked around and we were in, um, we went and saw the Back to the Future Tower and everything. And there was no one there watching us. It right. was the best. It was a great date.
0: Um, what? Why am I freezing on his name? Norm MacDonald. Uh, I've never been to a sitcom taping. But uh, back when the the, the dearly departed uh, Norm MacDonald, he had a sports show. Now, you'll be forgiven if you don't remember the sports show because it only lasted one season but he did kind of like what it it was basically um saturday night lives weekend update segment but it was just all on sports talking about real sports stories but giving his own thing and they even did some sketches and skits and stuff like that it was awesome and i went to the one where it took about two and a half hours for them to do the recording of this one norm mcdonald sports show Mm -hmm. i think it was the final episode they did too so it I think compared to some of your experiences, it was pretty easy.
2: Stuff like that's fun. I did Daily Show with Jon Stewart and that was one of the best things I've ever gone to. It was amazing. I had the best time.
0: Oh God, I would have loved to have done that. It was incredible. All right, what's next?
3: See, Al Rancha says, could U.S. agents stand a chance against the Dora crew? He lost to now that he has taken the Super Soldier Serum.
0: One-on-one? Yes, with the Super Soldier Serum. He can he can go toe to toe with a uh, Dora Malaje, like I wouldn't guarantee a win. Can he go against two or three?
1: No. And their fighting techniques.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: he wasn't he's a he's a soldier. He wasn't trained in the to use those pikes. They probably kick his ass. I mean, look at
0: Okoye. She fought like three Talosians. And who are superpowers and stuff like that, and she did quite well. So yeah. I say he could he could fight one of them. I don't know that he could fight a couple. And of the Dormilaje, they did fight aliens when they were invaded. Oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> so without even blinking. Yeah. All right. What's next?
3: Jake Vidmar says this has probably already been talked about, but is there a significant chance that Christopher Nolan will return as a WB regular because of the Zaslav leadership?
0: Maybe. Uh, here's the thing. I don't think we're, we're ever going to get back to the day where Christopher Nolan straight up made his films with Warner brothers, period. I don't think that'll happen, but can I see him doing more projects with Warner brothers in the future? I mean, if he's sitting down and breaking bread and having lunch with uh, Zazzlab why not? Uh, I, yeah. So yes, but not, not back to the time where he's only making movies under the Warner brothers banner. I think those days are gone. Mm-hmm. All right. What's next.
3: CJ rebirth says, all right, roll call. Are K Riz Ray Bert Jay Ty Lee and A Lu here today?
4: What? It's got to. It's got to be Is the a-, a-, a Ron. Thing.
0: Yeah. Oh. Is that oh, the KPL yeah. thing? Oh, oh, I get a roll call here. I mean, you don't Ray- mess with me because I'm for real. Ray does
3: call me kree Riz. <laughs>
0: all right what's next
3: (laughs) Dumbrador says it would be perfectly ironic if elton john was playing i'm still standing after chapec got
0: fired (laughs) oh boy yeah yeah not not so not so much i I, what was it cliff was saying that you know one of the really unfortunate things about this is that elton john will forever be ruined for bob Chapek now bob chapec will never be able to listen to Elton john again uh all right what's next (laughs)
3: Orlando Rodriguez says, will Disney pull Avatar in 45 days for Disney Plus, or will they let it stay in theaters like Maverick so it can stay longer and make $2 billion plus? If not, then it has no chance.
0: Well, look, here's the reality, though. After 45 days, how much money is it actually making? Like, once you get to the six-week mark, how much is it actually making in theaters that weekend? It's, pulling, it's probably still trickling in some money, but um, I honestly think it's going to do the 45 days. Now, that being said, if they get to week five and it's still making $21 million in a week, which I do not think it will, but if it does, yeah, you're not going to see them pull it out anytime quick, but they, they're going to want to get it onto Disney Plus when they can, but they will definitely keep the theatrical window, but I don't know if they'll go much beyond it. What do you think?
1: Uh, well, it depends how it's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that after Top Gun Mavericks' performance has happened, I think they'll take a good hard look and see how much money the movie's earning every week.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right, what's next?
3: Mickey Beach says, from a certain point of view, the Chapek-Iger saga is basically the plot of Rocky Phi.
0: Oh, gosh, it kind of is. <laughs> so who's Tommy Gunn in this situation?
1: <laughs> Old Dime versus Young Lire. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Man, there is going to be a movie made about this someday. Because I get... This is like some real-world succession shit going on. Like, this Mm -hmm. is like really... I cannot... To be a fly on the wall in Burbank right now, Mm -hmm. uh, in in those Disney offices, I would love to know what's actually going on behind the scenes. All right, what's next? Who should play who?
3: Character, if they made a movie like (laughs) next year. Tom Hanks is Iger.
0: (laughs) Oh, that would work.
3: (laughs) The Swifties say... Planet Terror, Planet Sex sounds like
0: a great combo. Oh, that's because that's Um. the name of Cara Delevingne. Well, by title, but I think it'll be completely different. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) very different viewing experiences. Not not your regular grindhouse kind of feature, I don't think. (laughs) Very, very different. It depends on what kind of grindhouse. I suppose. (laughs) All right, what's next?
3: (laughs) Dialdar says, can't wait for Avatar 2. All hail the mighty blue cat butts.
0: I mean, listen, I, I wish... The trailers had done more to get me excited. It is beautiful, though. I mean, it looks beautiful. It, it, the visuals are going to be stunning. I cannot wait to visually take it all in. But I, 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 I don't think they've done a great job with their marketing. I really don't.
4: Well, uh, originally, it was just going to be Cameron. He's like, look, it's too
0: long. It's not Marvel. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> but it opens on the 16th. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah, so, but I am, I am looking forward to it though. All right. What's next?
3: Suthia says, I rewatched Rogue One and sure enough, one of the sergeants of the rebels is indeed Melshi, the one who got away with Andor
0: in episode 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember when the first episode in the prison happened, I had a bunch of people say, John, did you not recognize blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I, I I did not recognize that, but it came out and that became kind of a pivotal thing and kind of add a lot more weight to that one scene in last week's episode when they were kind of standing there and saying their goodbyes. It, it meant a lot actually. So yeah. And I want, it makes me wonder how many other little details were in there that are ties into Rogue one that we maybe we'd missed. All right. What's next?
3: Excalibur says, what's your take on the chosen placing top three at last weekend's box office?
0: Eh, I mean, it, it made 8 million, which for, for a property like that is great. I mean, it's not like it shook the world. It made 8 million. So I, I but really bottom line is I don't care. I, I, you know, I don't give two nuggets of feces about faith-based stuff. Oh, man, don't bet don't, don't against a big guy. I, I, let, let's just it's listen. The big guy God? It was me. It's it, it just that the whole thought of my... I mean, the closest thing I've come to liking a faith-based movie was Prince of Egypt.
3: Yeah. Because oh, yeah.
0: Uh, I really quite like Prince of Egypt. What about Ben-Hur? What about the Ten Commandments? But see, Ben-Hur, <laughs> like Ten Commandments, those were Hollywoodification's... Of classic biblical stories, but Dude, they were Ben not...
1: exactly the way it happened. There's a
0: very different... Rob was there. There's a... <laughs> <laughs> Rob was oh, my God. Boom. Rob was there. Boom roasted. What was Moses like? Um, but but here's the thing, there's a <laughs> difference between faith-based <laughs> movies and movies based on biblical stories. Mm-hmm. um and it was and, and ironically enough it was i mean many of you guys know this it, my distaste and hatred of faith-based movies came from when i was in bible college and seminary i mean you know my buddies in bible college and seminary were like man faith-based movies suck <laughs> and left I, behind as nicholas cage <laughs> <laughs> no didn't have did it have nicholas cage didn't one of them did not no it? i think you're talking about the uh, mike uh the uh, not full house um uh, Kirk, oh, veins, Kirk, Kirk, Cameron. Kirk Cameron. No, they
1: did the series, and then they did a movie.
0: Oh, did they? And then right? Cage well, Nicholas Cage. Wasn't I?
1: Thought, I don't know. I know. I
4: know. Kirk Cameron was big on those. Yeah.
1: No, but then they did the. Oh no! I googled Nick Cage
4: Jesus, and I've seen. I've seen enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen too much.
3: What okay. about the uh, wondrous classic Passion of the Christ, which they made us watch in Bible school for some reason? Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right
3: what's next <laughs> like this is inappropriate okay stubble mcshave says i wonder how mon Mothma's situation develops for season two.
0: Oh well again we can't go into speculations about anything that happens Dude. in the episode but i mean they first of all the, the number of characters that they have made i mean from bix to cassian himself cassian's mother luthan the the shop girl that works with luthan mon mothma mon mothma's cousin Uh, I mean, just uh, this show is so riddled with rich characters and Mom Mothma is right up there. uh, Her sub story in this show has been amazing. And the way it ends in this episode, we're going to talk about it, of course, more in the open spoiler discussion. But it's great. All right. What's next?
3: Seconds from Disaster says there's a theory in the Ant-Man 3 trailer when they show that light over Jan Van Dyne split off into the quantum tunnels. That could be the Avengers time traveling in Endgame. What do you think?
0: Every time there's a Marvel movie coming out, there's some little detail where everybody thinks that's the, and it's some huge, huge thing. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I mean, hey, listen, I, I won't put it by them to, but I, I personally don't think so. Do you know what they're talking about?
1: Well, wouldn't this take place after they're traveling through Endgame? I mean.
0: Yes, but when you're going through the quantum realm, time and space are. Uh, maybe. Undefined. Uh, uh, you know, know.
1: That I mean, <laughs> there could be lots of things
0: happening. Yeah. There. All right. What's next?
3: Alex Meza says, 21. could Apple just buy certain assets, like maybe just buy some of the Fox IP that Disney isn't super interested in?
0: Well, I mean, of course they could be, but is, is Disney interested in selling off any pieces of things they own? The one whisper, bit of whisper going around is that maybe ESPN, that maybe they're looking at spinning off ESPN. That could be one, but other than that, they just spent how $72 billion to acquire all that stuff. They're not looking to turn around and sell that. I, just,
1: I could see Apple buy ESPN.
0: I mean, yeah, that's that one would, thing, right? Yeah, that would it, that, that would work.
1: fit right into their with their, here, watch ESPN on our devices. Yep,
4: mm, could be. Could, but they've also had a lot of issues with antitrust stuff lately. Do they want to
0: get into all that again? Right, that's true mm-hmm. too. But be, the antitrust would only really come into play if Apple already had its own sports broadcasting sort of thing, right? This, is, this would be like a new area for them. So I don't know if antitrust would come in, but you're right. It's something they'd have to be very careful of. All right, what's next?
3: Late Night alum says, Shout out to Erin on Sex Lives of College Girls. Yay! Is she in that? that?
4: Hey. Oh, my friends. That's why hot. she wasn't in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm always, I guess, because right now she's been doing a lot lately because she's in FBI Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. She's uh, Nancy Drew. Uh, she's a recurring on Nancy Drew. She had SWAT. She yeah, she was in SWAT recently. She was also in The Rookie recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whatever this is, I mean, she was in Sex. What did she have a part in? Is that the <laughs> Mandy, Mindy Kaling show? Yeah. yeah. Is Minnie Kaling the one behind that? She's the yeah. producer of it. I yeah. thought she was the one doing that uh, Never Have I Ever. She's doing both. Yeah, both. Oh, she's doing both? Mm-hmm. I have friends hey. on both those shows. You know, there's a one of our best friends, you know, uh, Spencer and Laura. Mm-hmm. So uh, Laura is the unit uh, publicist photographer for Never Have I Ever. So she's on set every day with the cast doing all the promotional publicity photography. She's a world-class <laughs> photographer. Um. Anyway, all right, what's next?
3: Wraith Time Seven says William Jackson Harper could be playing Marvel Boy who wore the quantum bands before Quasar.
0: Yeah. Possibly, but again, we're what I was told was that it was specifically um Vaughn. That it specifically was Vaughn. So mm-hmm. maybe yes, maybe no.
1: And I think I don't necessarily know if they would put Marvel Boy in this when you have the Marvels coming out later. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. That's that's a good point. All right, what's next?
3: Egion says, with a uh, $20 super chat. Thank, thank you, Egion. From my understanding, after Sony made Bloodshot, they were going to do a valiant cinematic universe, then Paramount acquired the rights to do their own version of the live-action comic
0: universe. Where are those movies? Uh, well, hold a second. Uh, let me pull this up, uh, because I might have an answer for you. So, yes, Bloodshot came out, and where those movies are is that they're sitting at the bottom of a bank account somewhere, because Bloodshot itself only made $39 million worldwide, made $12 million Ooh. domestically, not $12 million opening day, not $12 million opening weekend, total $12 million, $27 million international, 30, $39 million worldwide. Now, granted, uh, there was a, some pandemic stuff or whatever. I can't remember how far before this that was or not, but still, nobody cared about it. The movie wasn't very, and again, I say this is a big Vin Diesel fan. I love the guy, but and so I was excited for this, but- yeah, I think that probably put the brakes on a lot of stuff. Well, again, I like
1: the Valiant universe, but you can't plan on making a cinematic universe. You have to plan on making one movie. Mm-hmm. Great. And yeah. if that movie works, then maybe you can make a second movie. And if that second movie works, then move forward. But this idea that everyone's like, we're going to have a cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't catch chickens before they hatch, buddy.
0: Yeah. See, a lot of people are like, oh, well, the, the MCU worked because they they planned it and they had uh, you know um, Nick Fury coming at the end of Iron Man. no, 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 no. no. The reason the Marvel Cinematic Universe was able to come into existence is because the first Iron Man movie was beloved and people yep. loved it. That's the only formula. Make good stuff. If you make great movies on their own, independently, you make great movies, you get a lot of options open up to you and a lot of good things can happen. But the MCU doesn't come, didn't come into existence because they had... Nick Fury popping at the end. It came into existence because people loved the first. You Iron didn't
1: Man. even need that. If that didn't even exist, yeah. the movie still would have it made the same. It still would have rolled
0: money. in. Yep, the MCU still wouldn't fall. And if Iron Man had flopped and people hated it, I'm not saying they would have moved. They wouldn't have moved ahead with their plans, but it would have moved ahead differently. Because coming out of the gate, and you know, Bloodshot didn't exactly create fertile ground for growing a cinematic franchise. No. <laughs> All right, how many more we got left here? This is the last. All right, what's next? Plus support.
3: Motosum says Marvel Zombies was announced in Comic-Con as TVMA.
1: Yeah, but it's animated, so it's not real.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, there's certain things you could do with that, but its I really doubt it's going to be full-blown TVMA. But huh, you yeah, never know. Who knows? But I i doubt it. And again, you're right. They will take a different approach with it. They will look at it a little bit differently if it's animated. Yeah. animated. I mean, you can get away with more in animation than you can. I in mean, the- you
1: have zombies. they are going to be people getting eaten. Yeah. You can't get away from that. So, and then you've got, you know, shambling Deadpool.
0: And there's a difference. Again, it, with all due respect to animation, I'm just saying there's an impact difference. If you see an animated zombie character eating the flesh of something versus watching a live action adaptation mm-hmm. of somebody actually holding down a screaming little girl and then ripping mm-hmm. her throat out. There's a there's a difference impact that that makes depending on the medium. So, you know, mm-hmm. all right. What's next? Do we just got some
3: support there? Yeah, we got some support from Vexx Cosmos and from FreedooValcos.
0: Cal- thank Ray-do. you guys Ray-do. so much for that. <laughs> and guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to those of you who sent in the Super Chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Once again, a couple of reminders later today at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time, that's 6 p.m. New York time. We'll be having our Andor season finale open spoiler discussion after show. Make sure you guys come back and join us for that. And again, a little programming note, there is a John Campy show tomorrow. It's just going to be me and it's going to be at 9 a.m. starting time. Just a special starting time for tomorrow at 9 a.m. And then we'll be back to our regular 10.30 a.m. starting time on Friday. Guys, for everybody in the room, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, Chris Carr, haven't joined you guys in the live chat. Ray Aura, back there is Taylor, Jonathan Voico running the show today, and Alu Moana, My name is John Campia. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, my friends, bye bye.